So a lot of my day just consisted of holding him through seizures and just counting the seizures to make sure they weren't going over, um, you know, a certain amount of time to make sure he was safe, make sure that he wasn't turning blue in his face. That's what a lot of my day consisted of. And then at that point he was on um, a feeding tube. So I would give him, you know, his feeding through his feeding tube and then all of his medication. We didn't have nursing at night at that time. So I would stay up with him all night and do all of his nursing. Um, just all the, he had medicines all throughout the night and then also the seizures. I would just hold him actually whenever we would sleep because there was no way I couldn't, he was having 200 a day. So you pretty much just hold him all night and count his seizures all night. So I was not sleeping. I have a video of myself back then and I looked like a zombie. Like I, my eyes were like glassed over and barely awake and I was like slurring my words. And I was like, that was my life. As fitness enthusiasts, we love to hear human interest stories where exercise and community have played a vital role in the transforming of people's lives. Behind any documentary are hours and hours of footage left behind on the editing room floor. Oftentimes, as viewers of these remarkable stories, we are left wanting more. We've created Beyond the Journal to dig a little deeper. Hear how their 15 minutes of fame has impacted their journey. We'll see where they are now and what's next. If you like what you hear, please write a review, give us a five-star rating, and subscribe to the podcast. We're also available on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. You can check us out there at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. I'm Scott Schweitzer. And I'm Kat Shear. And, and we're, we're taking, taking you beyond the journal. journal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Journal with the Clydesdale and Kat. Uh, we have Kat with us. Hey, Kat. Hello. Hi. And uh, this week, we have a very, very special guest, and her name is Trisha Roth. Hey. Hi. Uh, Trisha kind of came to fame when CrossFit released a video of her and put it on Facebook, and it went viral. And a lot of people got to see her story. And so what we're going to do is talk about that video. But first, we want to get to know Trisha a little bit more. So Trisha, where'd you grow up? Um, Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville is a, a really cool place. Yeah. Um, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And then I actually went to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia for college. That's where I met my husband. And then we moved back to Jacksonville. And then after living in Jacksonville for like a year or two, we ended up moving to Fernandina Beach, Florida, which is uh, north of Jacksonville, just slightly, just a little bit. It's only like 45 minutes away. Yeah, because yeah, there's not a lot of room between Jacksonville and the Georgia border. There's not. And we, <laughs> we live like one exit away from Georgia. So we, we can get to Georgia really fast. So. Yeah, so I, I actually lived in Tallahassee for four years, and my cousin was stationed in Jacksonville at the time, and so we would drive over to Jacksonville a lot uh, to visit him, and, and so we got to know Jacksonville really well, and I That's love awesome. that area of the country. Yes, I just love being really close to the beach. <laughs> yeah, so, so do you live on the coast 
I live, I mean, we live just, um, like a, like five minutes away from the beach. Like we live there's an island right down the street. We are not on the island, but we are very close to the island. So we get to go to the beach whenever we want to. So it's really nice. We live right next to the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> so we do some spa days every once in a while, which is amazing. Yeah. So, so what did you do growing up? Did you have an athletic background uh, as a yes. child? So I actually, um, I cheered since I was like four years old. And then I ended up cheering competitively when I turned, went like starting at age 12. And then I ended up doing co-ed. So I had, there was like, I would say like 12 guys on our team and then like 12 girls. So it was always half guys, half girls since the age of like 12 or 13. And then I ended up um, cheering in college and I cheered on a co-ed team in college as well. So I did have a really big cheerleading background and I, um, with competitive cheerleading, there's a lot of tumbling and stunting of course. And so the tumbling, I, I had a gymnastics coach that pretty much just taught me how to do all like the flips and all that kind of stuff properly with good form. So that's, I'm like obsessed with CrossFit because it trans, it transitions so well from cheerleading with all of the body shapes and um, just the gymnastics part. So, yes. Were you a, were you a, were you a flyer, Tricia? I was a flyer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think I love the sport so much because it was a little dangerous. <laughs> People really don't think of cheerleading as um, like super dangerous or anything, but it is like, especially when you move to college because they do, um, stunts that are like three, pe- three people high and they're throwing you pretty high, especially when you're on a team with um, guys, then you're going in really high basket tosses. It's really, it's a lot of fun, but it is like, a, it's, it's pretty dangerous. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's why I love the sport so much because um, I guess I'm maybe a little bit of adrenaline junkie. <laughs> I think too, a lot, a lot of people think of cheerleading as like sideline cheerleading. And I know that like competitive cheering is completely different, right? It's stunting, Mm -hmm. gymnastics, dance, precision, all of that um, really is a sport. My daughter did it as a youngster too. So I'm like a flyer mom. (laughs) Yeah. So whenever you, and then when you hit like competitive cheerleading in high school, you don't cheer for sports. You just cheer, you just go and compete with other teams and stuff. So it's me, it's, it's literally just your own sport. Like this is what you do. Um, and so I, I don't know, I just thrived there. My mom actually owned a dance studio and I had nothing to do with it. I was like, just, just drop me off at cheer practice. So she would drop me off at cheer practice and then go teach at her dance studio. So. <laughs> so just for an example, how many times would you flip or twist in the air when you were, th- when you were thrown? Um, so a normal dismount would be like considered, they're called double downs. So you would be in a stunt and they would throw you and then you would twist like two times before you would fall. Like sometimes you would end up landing on your stomach and it would, and if you're stunning with guys, you would get punched in the ribs a lot. And so it would (laughs) knock your breath out. So there's that. And then if they did basket tosses, you would be doing backflips. So they would throw you really high and then you would do a backflip in the sky. So it's really, it's 
like that's why I love CrossFit because I'm like, oh, rope climbs, I get to climb that high and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> or, you know, just like the muscle ups and like all the crazy, fun, dangerous things like that. I am like, I kind of thrive off of that because it reminds me of my days cheering. So. Yeah. And did I, did I read it right that your husband was your stunt partner? Yes. He is, was that, my is, it, is that how you met? Yeah. Yep. That's how we met. He was actually, which is really funny to think of now. He was actually the captain of the cheerleading team, which is kind of hilarious. And then he pretty much was like, that's my stunt partner. He claimed me like right when I walked in or, you know, right when he met me, but he kind of like, was like, mm, I think I'm going to marry that girl, but I'm not telling anybody. And <laughs> he's claiming her as my stunt partner. So yeah, but he did save my life a few times. Like it was, there was a couple times where I was like coming head first to the ground and he like actually caught me and I opened my eyes and then there's the ground right there, especially in the middle of a basketball court during in the uh, middle of yeah. a basketball game. <laughs> I think, I think it's common too. There's, there's a lot of that, um, like flyer base relationships that that develop because of all that trust and the bonding that you have to do just to be able to maintain you know that level of sport so that's really cool it's really helped us in our marriage too we've been married for almost 15 years i think and we i think just having that start off that where we had i had to trust him he had to trust me in that sport um has really helped us it, it developed our trust really early on so it's kind of helped us over the years and so. you can probably, you can probably read each other pretty well. Yes. Right. Like yeah. body language, because, you know, I, I've been married almost 20 years and sometimes we never talk. It's all about just sort of <laughs> how you emote. <laughs> yes. How you communicate. Yeah. Yep. And I'll know, I know like he's going to be there for me. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like he's going to be there. And I've just, we developed that early on. So, yeah. So what was his transitional move from picking you as a partner to, asking you out on a date? Oh man, that was crazy. So <laughs> the coach was his, the coach of the cheerleading team was one of his best friends. Well, the rule was that you were not allowed to date really anybody on the team, but especially your stunt partner. And so he had to secretly, you know, ask me on a date. <laughs> but then whenever everybody found out, we got, we got, we didn't get in trouble, but we kind of got in trouble. <laughs> it was kind of like, you're, this is against the rules. But my husband's a little bit of a stubborn person. So, I mean, he's awesome, but he's a little stubborn. And he was like, I don't care. <laughs> but he it, it didn't really, it wasn't like, hey, let's go on a date. It just kind of progressed. Our relationship just progressed because we were with each other every day. We would do, um, you know, we would be out running the stadium stairs at five o'clock in the morning. That was just the first practice. And then we would have like maybe two or three more practices that day. So I was with him all the time. So it just was something that developed. And then um, I don't ever remember him actually like saying, hey, let's go on a date or anything like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he, here you are 15 years later. Mm -hmm. So how many children do you have? Three. Three. <laughs> yeah. And Bronson falls where in that line? He is our first kid. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so you had Bronson and he was born and had a traumatic brain injury. Is that? Yep. That's correct. So he was, um, my pregnancy was healthy. Everything was healthy. 
he, there was just a lot of complications at birth and they were actually really busy the night that he was born. He was just in the hospital. Um, the doctors were busy. And so they, I really needed a C-section and they just didn't, it was overlooked. So he suffered a brain injury because of lack, lack of oxygen flow and blood flow to his brain because he was um, in distress, like during the birthing process. So it was um, shocking for us because it wasn't, we were not expecting that. Um, he was totally fine um, during all of, you know, the whole pregnancy. So whenever, you know, you have a baby that's born with a brain injury and you weren't expecting it, it was very shocking. So. And how, as a young couple, did you guys handle that news? We were so young. I think I was only 23 when he was born. Um, it was, I mean, we were married and everything, but he was just, it was not a planned pregnancy. And it's very, when you go through something like that, when you, when you walk through something like so traumatic like that, because when he was born, he was lifeless. And then they just rushed him out of the room. Um, and then he ended up on a breathing machine in the NICU. And I just remember, I mean, my husband went with him right away, you know, but I was very sick. Like I almost did not survive the childbirth either. And so I think it took two days for me to come back to actually being a person again, because I was so sick and connected to so many tubes and stuff. Um, I remember whenever they were willing me up to the NICU, I just remember because on the NICU, um, when you have a NICU baby, they have the mom's name on the incubator. It's not the baby's name. It's the mom's name. So I remember them willing me up and I remember seeing this baby that had a breathing tube down and I remember seeing my name on the side of his crib and I was just really like, it was so, I felt like I was in a dream, you know, and everything was kind of moving slow motion. I know that sounds crazy. It's probably just like, it was just a very traumatic event for me. And I just remember thinking, wait a minute, this is not how this was supposed to end up. Like I didn't envision this at all. Um, so, but it just, just realizing like that was kind of what was happening to us was, it was rough. It was rough. And then they did the, so a brain injury doesn't set in for two weeks, supposedly. So they did um, an MRI two weeks after his birth, and then it showed um, severe brain injury on his entire brain, not just one section. It was his entire brain. It was like, he's a, he's a miracle that he's still with us. So, yeah. <laughs> so what were, what were the doctors telling you about, you know, his prognosis or what, what life was going to be like with Bronson after the NICU, if he, assuming he got out of the NICU? Right. So they always tell you, and I mean, literally you can ask any special needs family, probably a lot of doctors always say, um, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't tell you anything pretty much especially um, with brain injuries, like the brain's so complex that you can't, you really want, like one child can have a complete brain injury and the other one have like a similar brain injury and they can look totally different. Um, so the doctors really, they don't tell you. They just are like, you have to write it out. I do remember him, he has something called 
cortical vision impairment and it's because of his brain injury. And I do remember a doctor saying, um, he will never recognize you as his mom and he will never, like, he will never know you. That's pretty, and I, that was pretty, that was tough. Um, but I do remember, like, he does. He's so, he does, he recognizes everybody. He's super smart. Like, he, so it's like they tell you things in the beginning, but then they don't really know. Like, they don't really know what it's going to be like. Nobody really knows. Um, but they never said, like, he will maybe walk or maybe he won't or anything like that. They were just like, one day at a time, um, we can't tell you anything. <laughs> so... Except that he's not going to recognize you, which is like completely gut-wrenching <laughs> to hear as yeah. a mother, right? That's crazy. So how long was he in the NICU before um, you sort of got a sense of what reality was going to be like? So he was only in the NICU for two weeks, so which is insane considering that he had a severe brain injury. Um, most babies that do have that kind of brain injury, they stay in for like months. Um, he kind of flew through the NICU. Two weeks is not like a long time at all. So, but when he came home, I was like, what am I gonna do with this little tiny baby? <laughs> and then when he came home, he was not eating. Um, Cause your brain tells you, your brain does everything. So your brain tells you how to eat and your brain tells you like how to suck a bottle and all this. Um, he was not eating. So I was up around the clock. Like I never, I never slept because I was, I was constantly trying to feed him. I was fighting him getting a feeding tube, you know, mm -hmm. but I think the hardest thing was seeing other babies that were born around the same time as him and seeing their progression. And then he was not making that progression at all. Um, the first year was rough because he never, he never sat up. He never rolled over. He couldn't eat. Um, and then, and then he was having tons of seizures. So it was just, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was brutal. <laughs> so, um, but we were very like, I, it was hard, but then at the same time, I was very happy to have him with us because it was a miracle that he actually survived. So it was very bittersweet, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how did, how did your relationship with Brent, um, you know, evolve when you're trying to raise this baby? <laughs> Um, at first it was rough, hard because I think everybody grieves different. I mean, actually everybody does grieve different. Um, and when you have a child that has such a severe brain injury that the course of their life has changed, you know, um, you're grieving what you, what you like the dream for your child. Like you, you, um, you had a dream for your child that they would, you know, go to kindergarten, they would learn how to read and they would have friends. Like you had all these dreams and then all those are crushed. So then you kind of have to go through the grieving process, almost like if you've lost somebody. So with Brent and I, he, he grieved, he was in a different grieving phrase than I was, phase than I was. So I think he stayed in denial a little bit longer than me. Um, so until he got to that place of, all right, acceptance, you know, it was, um, we were kind of in different places in grief. And so, but once we kind of hit that place of we were both in acceptance, um, we've been pretty solid, like, but it took a while. It took a good couple, I would say probably three years for us to get to that place of like, okay, <laughs> this is our life. <laughs> Let's handle it. Um, 
but since then it's been pretty solid between us both. So, yeah. When you've, you've had two kids since, how long did it take you to want to have children again? Okay, so that's a funny story. Um, so our second child is only 19 months younger than Bronson. Yeah, younger. Ooh, girl. So, <laughs> yeah, so we were doing the hyperbaric oxygen chamber for Bronson. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. But I guess it kind of overrides birth control, and we did not know. <laughs> Nobody uh. told us. They put warning signs up after um, I got pregnant with my second child, like warning, you know. Oh, because you had to be in in so the hyperbaric chamber with him. Exactly. So I would go in one week, then my husband would go the next week, and we did not know that it's kind of kind of overrode like the birth control. So uh. I got pregnant like nine months after Bronson was born, and. It was tough. It was like having twins um, when I when I had her, and I was terrified too. I ended up just having a C-section with her. I was like, "Look, people, Good. just give me a C-section." And so she she was born healthy, um, and she is an amazing person. She I'm I'm thankful for her. Like, it's good that it happened that way because she helps me so much with him, and she's a very they're very close. Her my daughter and um and Bronson. So it worked out the way it was supposed to. Although at the time I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> are we going to survive this? <laughs> so. so you're, you're 25 and have these two kids under yes. the age of two or three. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's heavy. Yep. Did it you was. ever have um, career aspirations prior to you having babies? Did you, were you working outside the home? Mm -hmm. Um, so my degrees, my bachelor's degree is in psychology and, um, for a little while I did become a infant and toddler developmental specialist. So I would work with kids from birth to three in the home that had like maybe developmental delay or on the autism spectrum, um, or cerebral palsy. So I worked with a variety of kids. So I did, I loved doing that job, but I ended up having to quit eventually um, because of the demands at home. But I did want to go get my master's in psychology, actually counseling. I wanted to do counseling. Um, and I may still do that. It's definitely on my radar. So. So you talk about the demands at home. We know that Bronson had special needs. So what were those demands? What did you have to provide him on a daily basis? So he ended up having um, 200 seizures a day for a year. And that was brutal um, because, and it took that long to get them under control because it took that long for us to find a specialist that would actually help us with those seizures, which sounds crazy, but, I guess there's actually specialists within specialties. And so we did travel the country um, to find help with the, 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 all the seizures he was having. So a lot of my day just consisted of holding him through seizures and just counting the seizures to make sure they weren't going over, um, you know, a certain amount of time to make sure he was safe, make sure that he wasn't turning blue in his face. That's what a lot of my day consisted of. And then, at that point, he was on um, a feeding tube, so 
I would give him, you know, his feeding through his feeding tube and then all of his medication. We didn't have nursing at night at that time. So I would stay up with him all night and do all of his nursing. Um, just all the, he had medicines all throughout the night. And then also the seizures. I would just hold him actually whenever we would sleep because there was no way I couldn't, he was having 200 a day. So you pretty much just hold him all night and count his seizures all night. So I was not sleeping. I have a video of myself back then and I looked like a zombie. Like I, my eyes were like glassed over and barely awake and I was like slurring my words. And I was like, that was my life. So on top of that, and then having my other daughter too, as a, she was pretty much an infant at that time. Um, so that it was very demanding, very demanding. And then when we finally got his seizures under control, he ended up, um, starting in with um, something called dysautonomia. It's super hard to explain, but his brainstem was damaged at birth. And so everything your body automatically does, his will be fine one second. And then the next second, like all of his, the autom um, things that you automatically do, his kind of goes like crazy. Like his heart rate, his blood pressure, his ability to produce secretions, like everything just kind of goes haywire. And then you have to rescue him from that. And we still do deal with that even to till like even now, and he's 13. So um, it's just a lot of like medical involvement and then just having to learn, um, just learn everything. And then a lot of times doctors are amazing, right? But sometimes they don't, they have a lot of patients and I mean, Bronson's just like a number, like they care, but sometimes you have to be the one, the parent has to be the one to actually uh, fight for, fight, you know, fight for, I had to fight for him through everything. And then I had to actually like find things myself and then bring it to the doctor's attention. So, especially with the dysautonomia that he had, I know that's like, it's so involved. <laughs> <laughs> and you had, you had your third kid. How, how, how spaced out was, is a daughter, correct? Right. My daughter, three years. Thank hey. goodness. <laughs> I, that was my only planned child. <laughs> yes. And I didn't, I just didn't want um, my daughter to like do life alone eventually. Cause I, I mean, we're not going to have Bronson forever. So that's what I chose to do, you know, to have like try for a third child because I just want my daughter to, she loves Bronson, but I also wanted her to have like a typical experience of a sibling, you know, so. And did that labor and delivery go as planned? Mm -hmm. I just had a C-section with him. I was just, get this done. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, okay. yeah. Just, did you, just, Trisha, was there any, you mentioned um, the night that Bronson was born, there was, you know, the ER was, or the labor and delivery ward was busy and, and that kind of thing. Was there any sort of legal ramifications were you guys able to get some financial assistance from that experience so we could have actually like sued the doctor um so in the state of florida and actually the state of virginia they have something called nica which is neurological injury compensation association so it pretty much it kind of just covers the doctors and actually the families so instead of doing a lawsuit which we could have but instead of doing a lawsuit, you can try to get the NICA, and we we did. We were 100% covered, which does mean that 
there was a hundred percent doctor neglect in the delivery. Um, he, sh I should have had a C-section and I, and I was refused, even though we asked for one. Mm -hmm. Um, so the NICA does cover, um, every, all of his care, like if the insurance doesn't pay for it, it covers for him. Um, it just does like a lot of various things. It's just one of those things, like we just went ahead and took that because honestly I needed nursing care because I needed sleep at night. Sure. And I so, um, instead of fighting a legal battle for years, cause it would have taken a long time. Um, we just chose to go that route instead. So. And so knowing, knowing that you went through that with, you know, doctors that we put our trust in, right? We, we assume that they're smarter than us and they know better and that they have our best interest at heart. Is it hard for you to sort of gain that trust again with the doctors that you're dealing with with Bronson? I mean, it's got to be weighing on you a little bit as you navigate through his care. Yeah. Yes. I am... I, the doctors that I have now, and there's all of them are specialty doctors. All of them specialize in something. And even his pediatrician is a medically complex clinic, like one of nine in the whole nation, right? Um, but if I don't like a doctor, I won't come back to them. I just am very, very picky. Um, but if I like that doctor, then like, I am the most loyal <laughs> person ever. Like, I will be back. Um, so yeah, I am just very leery about doctors. I always do my own research. My husband actually liked it. So his initial degree was in biology and chemistry, chemistry, and he, um, now he's an ICU nurse. So he went back to um, school to become a nurse and he's incredibly smart. So between the him and I, we kind of make a really good team and we will like, we'll go together to doctor's appointments if we need to. But for the most part, we've found doctors locally that we just we trust but it took a long time um you really have to weed out like it sounds awful but you really have to weed out the people that are just not a good fit for your family and for your child um but you have to be like very proactive about it if that makes sense yeah makes total sense so what kind of assistance do you have now um with bronson so we get nursing at night um, from 6 p.m. until 2 a.m. We used to have nursing from 6 p.m. till 8 a.m., but I don't like not having my hands in his care. Like, I want to see him through the night. So I could have nursing until 8 o'clock in the morning, and I just choose not to because I'm his mom, and I just want to have, like, my hand on him at some point through the night. Um, but that means that I'm not sleeping as much as like the normal human population. <laughs> so I have to like remind that to, I have to remind myself, like, look, you only get, you know, four hours of sleep a night, maybe. Um, and not everybody, like most people are getting more. So I have to give myself grace, but like, I have a hard time with that and reminding myself that I'm not sleeping as much. So um, that's literally the only help we get is that um, we get a nurse that comes in from 6 to 2 a.m. Okay. Yeah. And then does Brent work? Is Brent shift work or does he work day hours or is he all over the place? He is. He So at first he was working full time and then I was drowning. And so I asked him to go part time. So he only works two days a week. 
um, it's 12 hour shifts, but usually he's there for 14 and then he's home the rest of the week. So he, then we're, we're kind of like tag teaming this whole parent thing for now. It's the season we're in. Um, so he's, but he's been, he's been busy. He's been working with like COVID patients at work. He's, he's like, he's in it. <laughs> he's on yeah. the front line for sure. Yeah. Does, is that a big concern of yours? Because Bronson would be, you know, more susceptible to the COVID. Yeah. So um, we actually kicked him out of the house for a while and he was living in an RV in our front yard. Brent, not Bronson, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. My husband, Brent, we were like, look, you're working with COVID patients. Like, we love you, but you've got to go move it out into the RV in the front yard. So he did that for like two, I would say two-ish months. And then I was like, this is a bad plan. I'm drowning in the house with all three of these kids. Um, so we're just kind of at a place like, I think what's really helped is a lot of the kids, and I don't know how it is across the nation or globally, but I know like a lot of kids are doing well with the virus. And so it was kind of like, and then like all of our mental health was kind of plummeting, <laughs> including like my other children who missed their dad, you know? And so we had to take into account like what, what's more important. Like we have to have our family together. And so he just does a better, he just does a really good job that every time he comes home, he bleaches his shoes. He like strips down in the garage. We sanitize his clothes before he comes in. You know, he does a really good job at staying safe. Um, he's pretty OCD anyways. So um, he's done great. Like he hasn't brought the virus home yet. So. So that's a, it's a great segue to um, moving into the, the video that went viral. Yeah. So CrossFit posted a video on Facebook that just took off. And it was, and it was you carrying your son from the car into your home. Yeah. yeah. And it talked about that you wanted to be strong enough to be able to all, to always be able to carry your son. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through that thought process and, um, and what that meant to you? Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> The video actually has him coming out of our old car. We don't have that car anymore. And he was usually never in that car. We actually like met at the front of the neighborhood, put him in that car. And then I had to, it was a long story. My other son had football practice and we had to transition him really fast. So we didn't always have him in the front of that front seat of that car. Cause it's just not, it wasn't safe, but we were just driving through the neighborhood. Um, and when I got here, I, I pulled him out. He's on, he's a hundred pounds. That's how much he weighs. Um, I pulled him out of the vehicle, the car, and then I walked him to his bedroom. I did have to rest because he's, he's heavy. Um, my whole thing is with him is I, I go to a lot of doctor's appointments with him alone and I have to transfer him. I have to pick him up out of his wheelchair and I have to put him on the, the table. Um, I do that alone. I, I don't want to be stuck in a position where I'm dependent on other people to help me with him. And I know one day he's going to be huge. I mean, he's going to, he's super tall, like he's going to get bigger, but until that happens, I want to be able 
to be independent with him. I don't want to have to ask everywhere I go for help, if that makes any sense. Um, and I think the biggest part is, is he can't hug me. He can't just reach up and put his arms around me and be like, I love you, mom. He can't hug me. He can't do that. So when I carry him, like that's my way of hugging him, if that makes sense. So I, I think other special needs moms commented on that too. Like that's my moment of hugging for, you know, that's my moment of physical contact with my child. I could not have done that with him three years ago. I started CrossFit three years ago. I, there's no way, there's no way. Um, and so, I mean, here, I mean, a good example, we have a nurse that does not, she's not able to lift him yet. She's actually in CrossFit with the same goal. Um, but she came and got me at 11 o'clock last night and said, hey, can you move him from a shower chair to his bed? My husband was asleep at that point because he just got off of his, um, he was working yesterday. And so I was able, I didn't have to wake him up. I was said, okay, I got up. I went and transferred him from his shower chair to his bed. Um, yeah, we have a lift system. Actually, our lift system is broke right now. And it's been a hot two months since it's been broke and they've been trying. So, I mean, we do have lift systems. I did have somebody, a lot of people say, well, why don't you have a lift system? That's great. Yeah, we have a lift system and we will use it when it works. Um, but the hospitals don't have lift systems for the most part. The um, doctor's offices don't have lift systems. Like if there was a fire in this house, I can't be like, okay, fire, like, just give me a second so I can put my son in the lift and lift him and pull him out of this house. Like, no, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is I'm going to lift him myself and I'm going to carry him out of the house. And I couldn't have done that without CrossFit because CrossFit's actually like allowed me to strengthen my body to be able to like manage his care if that, you know, so <laughs> Well, as, as I get older, I, I'm turning into a bigger and bigger softy. And when I heard you say the quote that that was losing a hug by not being able to lift him, that's when I teared up and uh, <laughs> when I was watching your story and, and doing research. Uh, and I love that moment. But you talk about CrossFit. So, so what, how did you know that was going to be the answer? How did you find it and, and go, go from there? Um, I didn't. I didn't at first. I just kind of was drawn to CrossFit because it looked fun to me. <laughs> I mean, it just looked fun. And then I got into CrossFit and I was, I mean, the first week I was like, oh, you guys, this is going to help me lift my son Bronson. And so then at that point, I told my coaches and the owners, I was like, hey, this is my why. This is my goal. Like, I need to be able to lift Bronson independently. Um, and from that point forward, my co I mean, and we can all be a little competitive with ourselves, right? So there were even moments where my coach was like, Trish, remember your why, like calm it down. She's like, your why is to pick Bronson up and carry him from one room to the next. And I'm like, oh yes, that's right. My why. Um, so I think it was not initially like, oh, I'm going to start CrossFit so that I can lift Bronson. I think it was a week or two after I got in there and I saw what CrossFit was and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is going to actually help me. This is functional fitness, right? Like 
I am going to be able to lift my son. Like, I mean, it's going to take me a little while to get to that point where I'm strong enough. Um, but so it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start CrossFit so I can do this. It was like, oh, I'm going to start CrossFit because this looks kind of fun. And then I get in there and I realize that it's going to be fun. Yeah. But it's also going to give me so much independence in my life, you know, which it has. Did you do any other type of fitness before CrossFit? I mean, not, no, I lived in the hospital for years. (laughs) I mean, I, I cheered in college and then I had Bronson and then I lived a sedentary lifestyle in the hospital for, for a long time. I would say we lived in and out of the hospital for a good, like six ish years. So when you walked into CrossFit, you were starting off from scratch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I had the cheer background, but I was starting, you're right. I was starting, I had three babies at that point. I had been living in a hospital for years. Um, I was so under conditioned and under strengthened. Like I, I was not strong. And yeah, it, it, I think it took my body at least a year to, to get to a place where it was like, okay, we're doing this. I'm like, yeah, we've been doing this for a year body, <laughs> but it took body like a year to actually get to a place where I was like strong enough to do the things other people were doing, you know, but my body had went through so much, like having, having the three kids and then living in the hospital. So people, I have so many people now that come to me and they're like, I don't know if I can do that. I'm like, you can, you can trust me. Like I was, I was not in a good place when I started, you know, anybody can do it. So so, we, we talk oh. a lot about, sorry, Scott, we talk a lot about community too in CrossFit and tell us a little bit about how um, CrossFit Fernandina has sort of rallied around you or, or what that community means to you now. Oh my gosh, you made me cry. <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh. That's okay. Fine and I'm like, fine. And then you talk about this. Okay. So they're like my family, you know, Sorry. I don't know if you guys get a lot of criers on this. I don't even cry usually. (laughs) So I just, they, so, I mean, they let me take, they let me bring Bronson in there, you know, and he loves listening to the rap music and the falling of weights. And he like thinks it's the best moment of his life. (laughs) But, um, they just have, they just have surrounded us. Like we have the coolest CrossFit gym. I'm telling you, if you're in Fernandina Beach, if you are in Fernandina Beach, stop at CrossFit Fernandina. That community is legit. They are the best people I've ever met. Like I have never been in a community so tight knit. They just surround each other. Like if you're going through something, they're there. I mean, I I just went through something recently that was traumatizing and it was outside of, um, it was outside of my Bronson or out of Bronson and my kids or anything. It was something with my family and they showed up at my front door. The practically half the gym showed up at my front door with donuts and like wine at like nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm just, I don't know. It's just the community. It's like family, you know? And so, and I, and I think the cool thing about it is I see them every day. Like I see them all the time. Like we work out together all the time and we struggle and we through these like hard workouts and then we, we encourage each other and we help each other. 
And so I think that just kind of like creates a bond that you would not get outside of that. And so when they see you going through hardships outside of, you know, the, the CrossFit gym, when they see you going through hardships in your like normal everyday life, like they come around you and they help you through that. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's something I've never experienced before. I'm not kidding. And I, I mean, I cheered my whole life on a cheerleading on different cheerleading teams and stuff. And the CrossFit uh, community is like beyond anything I've ever experienced. So sorry. <laughs> no, that's, I, I think we can all attest to that. I think it's, it's why we love the sport and it's why we do it as well. Our communities are really important to us and they mean a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. we, we, we've all had that story with the, with our own communities backing us up when, when we needed it most. And it's just, it's, it's cool that that it's kind of the missing link that people don't understand about a fitness program. Mm -hmm. I think it's what keeps holds people accountable too. I think that's one of the reasons why CrossFit is so successful. Um, because you, the community holds you accountable. Like, Hey, are you going to be at the gym tomorrow? Hey, are you excited about that workout? Um, or, hey, great job, like you just killed that. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't even matter like where you are in your fitness level or anything. Um, they're gonna be there for you, like cheering for you no matter what. And so I think that in regular gyms, cause I, ha I did like go to, go to some other gyms and I just was not successful. I mean, it was not long guys, it was like three months and I was like, I can't. <laughs> But I mean, I, I love the, like the community, like the team type of community too. Um, and I think that's what makes it so successful because you're in it, like you're in it, you're in this community and they're not going to let you be like, oh, hey, you've been missing for a week. Where the heck are you? <laughs> like, they're not going to let you miss. So um, anyways, yeah, I love it. So you've become so attached to the community that you actually joined the coaching staff? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like, I don't know. I was like, okay, I'll just go get my level one. I love the owners there. They are, they are just the most humble, amazing, giving, caring, selfless people ever. And I was just, I got my level one and I was just like, hey, I mean, it's like, if, I mean, I'm just here, you know, I'm not trying to be like, I just want to get it just in case like they had a, a need, you know, if there's a need, then I'm here. Um, but then they created this entire like ladies program and they're like, Hey, Trish. Um, so we want you to, to like run this ladies program. Um, one of the owners helps me run it. She does all the programming and stuff. Um, but they, it has been great. Like, so I do head up, um, it's called ladies lift too. And I'm able to go in and just like work with, ladies from all walks of life um and they do crossfit like legit they're doing the same programming practically as a crossfit community um and it's taught me a lot as a coach too because i'm i'm working with different um different levels different injuries different all different kinds of ladies it's been great and i just recently moved into the role of coaching um the regular crossfit classes too so that's been fun and you said your nurse is doing CrossFit now as well? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So our nurse is actually, so Bronson has a Hoyt running chair. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, heard of like um, Team Hoyt. Um, so my husband runs 
marathons with my son and his weight running chair. Um, and then my husband also does CrossFit. So my nurses take him on runs and the weight running chair. It's really cool. But now they, they're both into CrossFit and especially the one, the girl, she wants to be able to lift Bronson. So she kind of is doing the same thing that I did just starting out and, um, you know, her why and her goal is to be able to lift Bronson one day. So yeah, it's cool. Like, it's almost like, Hey, if you're going to be a nurse in this family, like, I mean, one of the prereqs is to be able to maybe, you know, run a 5k every night and do CrossFit. <laughs> must, must love CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, Trish, do your kids, your younger daughters, do they um, participate in like family fitness? They must, you know, see you as such a great role model, um, you know, taking care of their brother and taking care of yourself. Um, what so, kind of example do you want to leave for them? So I have, um, so my middle one is a, a girl and then our youngest one is actually a boy. Okay. And he's been, he has been in karate for four years now, our youngest, he's eight years old. So he's been in karate since he was four. He's actually very, he's good. He's good at it. Um, my daughter, oh my gosh, I'm like, she is, she's a very good runner. She's done the gate river run, which is nine miles the past two years she's run she's ran a lot with bronson and his weight with his weight running chair um and my husband recently injured his knee a little bit running on the beach actually um and she has told me that she's ready to take on the role of like running him in 5k by herself um which would be amazing and she does want to do um triathlons with him so i just feel like them being around fitness they're they're at the gym all the time right and Bronson's at the gym so this is what they see like they see they see athletes like their life is around athletes my daughter is also an artist and she with all of her drawings it's hilarious like these ladies their drawings she draws these girls and their legs are like solid <laughs> like they're like <laughs> muscular I'm like I don't know if she knows anything different but I think just like being around, like just not my husband and I, but just the community just puts them in a place of, it's a whole different world. Like, could you imagine like growing up and just being at a CrossFit gym all the time? I mean, it's what they see. And there's a lot of learned behavior in that. They also do their own cross. So we have um, some CrossFit, um, like I have a barbell here and we have slam balls and we have a box and stuff and they do their own CrossFit workouts. But it's funny because you can see, uh, you can kind of see how you re you work out like by watching them. So they'll go and like put chalk all over their body pretty much. Cause that's what me and my husband do. We're like chalk addicts. And then they'll go like stand in front of the fan for like a little bit and like hyperventilate. And then they'll like collapse on the ground afterwards and then ask for a fit aid. I'm like, <laughs> you literally look just like me when I'm working out, like super dramatic. <laughs> But I mean, it's just, they, it, they're so influenced. They're so influenced. There's a lot of kids in our gym too. Um, not just my kids. And they're all, I mean, I found my son over in the corner one time doing his own mini workout with like all the kids. He's literally leading an entire workout and they're doing like burpees and thrusters. <laughs> and I was like, it's just cool. It's cool. So it's the next generation, right? And they're like, 
tons of learned behavior going on there. So. So you did, your why was Bronson to do, mm-hmm. to do the CrossFit. But I have to ask you, what did you discover about yourself while doing CrossFit? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, so I, in mental health, like it sounds, it sounds wild, right? I mean, I feel like when I started CrossFit, it's like I finally did something for myself. I'd been living in the hospital for all these years. And then like when I stepped through that CrossFit door, I was like, it's like, I like finally was like, no, I'm going to do something for myself. Um, and I didn't realize how much I needed that until I started doing it. And then I actually like was diagnosed with anxiety before CrossFit and the psychiatrist had put me on Prozac. Um, and I actually have never said the story before to anybody, but I was on Prozac and before I started CrossFit and then I started CrossFit and I kept forgetting the Prozac and I was fine. Um, and then I went back to the doctor and I said, I don't know. I just keep forgetting to take the medicine and I feel fine. And I feel like I don't have anxiety and anymore. And, um, she said, well, what are you doing? What's different? And I told her, like, I told her my, you know, what I do. And I, and she said, oh, you're doing CrossFit now. And I said, yeah, I didn't think anything about it. And she said, that's why you don't have anxiety anymore. Anxiety anymore. She said, you don't have to take that medication anymore. She said, um, I guess my anxiety was a form of energy. And so going to CrossFit every day pushes out. I just have a lot of energy. And so, and having that much energy cooped up inside my body and inside my mind caused anxiety. But going to CrossFit actually helps push that anxiety out and then I don't have the anxiety any, anymore. So CrossFit going there, I mean, I do it five days a week, um, literally relieves my anxiety, I guess you can say. I have so much energy that I have to push it somewhere. And so I think like mental health, if I was going to say anything about like for myself, it's, it keeps me grounded. It keeps me in a place where I can like help other people, my family, you know? So I um, go, I push out all my extra crazy energy that I have. I feel grounded again. And then I feel like I can come back and deal with life here at home and be a better mom and better wife. Um, If I don't do CrossFit for a week, (laughs) I am like, I mean, I'm not mean or anything, but I'm just like not as grounded as I think I would be, you know? So, um, I think that if I was to say anything to anybody, like it's, it's so good for your mental health. It's just so good being around the community and then also like pushing out that energy. Um, and then just be like doing something for yourself and being healthy, man. Like I feel, I feel the best, like the best I've ever felt. I'm I'm able to do things. I feel good. I eat healthy, like, I mean, I make bad choices sometimes, but I eat healthier than I would have if I wasn't like killing myself at the gym, you know? Does that make sense? So, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. And uh, you're also doing competitions now? I, yeah, I do it. I do them sometimes. I don't do them all the time um, because 
I don't sleep a lot. So, but I do love doing competitions, especially with a team, because then it helps me get closer to my teammates. Um, I just, I love anything about competition, but like, I like teams because I get to rest. Oh yeah. That's why I like competing on a team. Yeah, that's good too. I, um, my weightlifting is like kind of average, um, I obviously like prefer gymnastics because I do have a background in gymnastics. And so a lot of competitions, they do more like, you know, there's not, there's not as much gymnastics and there's more weightlifting. Um, but I'm just like, I, I love being with other people, you know, and doing that. So, yeah. So you would be the perfect partner for Kat because she loves weightlifting. (laughs) I love a heavy barbell. (laughs) I wish they would be like, okay, you Okay, so pick one person for gymnastics and pick one person for weightlifting, and then like that person, just stick to your thing. Like I would be like, look, I will do that competition every weekend. That's fine with me. Like yeah. we need a third person to do all the running, and then we yeah, we need an engine person because I'm that's not me either. <laughs> I love so. it. Do you um do you follow the CrossFit Games? Are you a are you a games fan? I follow well, it like when it's happening. Um, not so much like every day, you know, um, but I do, I mean, I love, I love the games and I love, you know, the athletes that do it and stuff. So at my gym, like there's a lot of people there that are obsessed with like watching and like talking about it and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you have a sort of like a CrossFit bucket list? What do you mean? Like, you know, I want to, you know, watch the games in Madison one year, or I'd like to, you know, get 10 ring muscle ups in a row, or just, just some things out there, like to look forward to that you have goals or aspirations with regard to CrossFit, or maybe I want to get my level two, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, I think so. Okay. So I just started at Invictus Gymnastics, which I don't know if I'm, I, you're allowed to say that Travis Travis Ewart is great he is amazing like he cleaned up my muscle up in like two weeks like it's I don't know so right now I'm working towards so I have my bar muscle up I'm working towards my ring muscle ups um I'd love to be able to string my bar muscle ups together so um lots of gymnastics goals and then um I do have weightlifting goals too I uh, I love Olympic lifting. Um, I love especially the clean and jerk. So, you know, probably to get like 10 more pounds. So it's pretty much like little goals, you know, all right, what's my next PR? Like, what's my next thing? Um, I do, re- I would love, love, love to bring um, gymnastics programming to our gym. So I would love to, and I've talked to the owners and stuff. I'd love to start like a class, like a gymnastics class. So that's kind of my next goal. Um, coaching wise, um, is to start like a gymnastics class, just so that people in our gym are developing like the gymnastics skills, but also with good form. Um, so that they're able to, to maybe like get more toes to bar in a row, or they're able to get their first bar muscle up because of the correct form. Right. So I really want to do that. And then so I guess like my goals are more like coaching and like a little personal goals just by making like the next PR, you know, I guess I'm just always looking at uh, what's my next step. Like I don't really have a big overall goal. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I think that's great. That's what keeps us going, those smaller ones that are actually attainable and, and in a timely fashion. The, the more you do the Invicta stuff, you'll build a nice little uh, toolkit to be able to develop that gymnastics program at your gym. So keep up with that. It's a really good yeah. program. It is. <laughs> Well, that's all I had. Um, I love your story. It was, this is a great hour to spend with you. Um, mm -hmm. Such a, such a great story, such, so much emotion. Uh, and I love how open and honest you were about it. Thank you. I, I was really excited whenever you guys um, contacted me about being, on, I've never really got to tell my story like this before. So um, I just, I feel very blessed that you guys, you know, allowed me to do this. This is, this is what this podcast is all about, right? We get this little snippet of somebody's life and we think it's really cool and we share it. But, um, you know, the reason why we want to get behind the story is to get to know you a little bit more and something that we can't do in a two minute clip on Instagram. So we appreciate right. you being here. This is a great yeah. story. People are going to really love it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank and you good so luck much. With, good luck with everything in the future and with Bronson and uh, our thoughts and prayers to you and your family and uh, that, that things keep going on the upswing. Oh, yeah. thank you. You guys and, are and, awesome. And keep in touch, Trisha. Well, you and I'll keep okay. in touch for sure. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Take care. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Journal. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to the podcast. We would really appreciate it if you write a review. That helps us broaden our audience. We're also available on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. You can check us out there at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. And once again, I'm Scott Schweitzer. And I'm Kat Shear. And, and we're, we're taking, taking you beyond the journal. journal.